Well, good morning, Thrive Church. I'm glad to see all of you who are here with us this morning. Uh, my name is Pastor Sheldon Miles. I'm the lead pastor of this awesome church. I want to welcome all of those who are checking us out online in the 715 area code. We're glad that you're connecting with us this morning. This is the day that the Lord has made, and I will rejoice and be glad in it. Can we just do that this morning? Thank you, God. Thank you, God. I am so glad to see Betty Zawinski. He was here with us this morning. And I know some of you, you have a lot of difficulties and challenges. Uh, sometimes on Sunday mornings, a lot going on. But uh, when you are 101 years old and you are here in service... That's, that's what I'm talking about, and if you want to uh, experience the love of Jesus, you just go up and you just ask Betty how she's doing, and, uh, and she will turn it on you. So I'm so glad all of you are here this morning. Hey, listen, uh, we had scheduled a prayer night for tonight uh, a couple months ago. We just felt like, hey, listen, it's the 9-11 anniversary. We are just now getting back into school, and our country always needs prayer, and so we are going to pray for uh, students, we are going to pray for our country, and we're going to pray for the church. Now, I understand that the NFL did not get my request to have an earlier game, and I know some of you are really uh, into the games, and so what we've done is we just simply decided to work with the NFL rather than against them, so we've moved the prayer time to 7 o'clock. Seven o'clock. So I just so that you won't be focused on who won, who lost. Uh, you just come at seven o'clock, and we're going to pray. And, and I just mean that. Uh, uh, Garrett has said many times, uh, you know, prayer is so important. And 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 so we, if we are here and we're like, man, something's got to be done about these things. The thing to do is to pray. So I welcome, I encourage, I challenge the church to come tonight and let's pray together. Amen? Let's pray together for the move of God. All right, we're, we are now starting a new sermon series. I'm super excited about it, uh, getting started with it. And what we're doing is in, in, uh, throughout the, the next few weeks of this sermon series, it's a five-part series. We're going to kind of uh, talk about a few misconceptions that people have about the church. Do you know that there are misconceptions that people have about the church? Uh, we're going to define what the church is all about, but here's one of the misconceptions that people have about the church. Some people believe that the church is a place that I go to to get spiritually fed. Now, some of you are looking around the room right now, and you're just, why is that a misconception? What, what, what is, what, what's wrong with, with that thought, Pastor? What is it? Well, I would challenge you with this. And we're going to, again, we're going to take some time going through these misconceptions, find out what the church is all about. But I would argue with this, and I would say that church is not a place that you go to. It's not a place that you go to. Now, some of you have grown up in the church. I grew up in the church. But I have learned over the years that church is not a place that I go to. It is a people in fact, I just want you to, I want to point out to you right now, I want you to point that the church is a people, right here. And so can you just point at your neighbor, can you look at your neighbor on your left and on your right and say, you, did you know that you are the church? Did you, did you know that? I didn't know you are the church. And so if you are the church, well then how can a church 
be a place. See, some people are like, oh, it's a building. Yes, 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 it's a building. But I want you to understand you are the church. And, it, and some people say, well, it's a place that you get spiritually fed. And I would say, okay, I get what you're saying. But here's the problem with that. Many people in the world think that, it, it, that, that the spirit of God lives in a building. And there's people who today who are following religion, and they say, well, I've got to go to church so that I can talk to God. And I'm like, a time out, time out, time out. You see, the word of God tells us that you, you, just, just point at yourself now, you, you are the temple of the Holy Spirit. So you are the church and you are the temple in which the Holy Spirit lives. And you know what that does? Now all of a sudden we have, just with that thought alone, we have the separation of religion and relationship. You see, again, the church is not a place that you go to. Church is the person that you are. It is its people. And that the Holy Spirit lives in you. And you are the temple of the Holy Spirit. And therefore, church can be anywhere. Church can be Anywhere. And so, so the challenge with this mindset, it can become a dangerous mindset. And so we, want to, we kind of want to adjust that. We want to look at that a little bit closer. We're going to look at Matthew 16, and this is going to be the, three, the theme passage here, but let me set it up. Matthew 16, verse 18. And, and what's happening here is Jesus is meeting with his disciples and the many conversations that he had with them, and there are some that were very significant and Jesus is prophesying to his disciples. He's telling them of what's going to come ahead. And he's prophesying specifically about them. He's looking at his one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, twelve disciples. And he's saying, gentlemen, you're going to change the world. Literally, you're going to change the world. And they probably like, uh, we're, we're just a bunch of disciples and we're just following you around and we're just kind of here for the show and just watching. And Jesus, no, 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 let me speak life into you. Let me speak vision. Let me speak to what is gonna happen. You are gonna change the world. And so he asked him some questions. He said, who do people say that I am? Who do people say that I am? And then, and then he looks at Peter and he says, Peter, Peter, who do you say that I am? Peter answers, he says, Jesus, you, you're the Messiah. You are the son of the living God. The Messiah is somebody who is a savior, somebody who brings salvation to the world. Jesus likes that answer. Says, Peter, man, you are blessed. You are blessed. Because my Father in heaven has revealed this to you, Peter. You did not learn this from any human being. You have recognized it, Peter. And that's going to be the message that you, my 12 disciples, you're going to go into the world and you're going to communicate that God sent his son, Jesus, into all of the world. And through his love and his work on the cross and his resurrection, through the, entire, the whole world can be saved. And so then Jesus makes this statement. He looks at Peter and he says, and I tell you, and you are Peter, and on this rock, I will build my, I will build my, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. 
The gates of Hades. Say, Hades is, is a dark, dark place. It is the pit. It is the pit of death, literally. And even the pit of death will not be able to stand up against the church. If you are the church this morning, will you raise your hand? Will you raise your hand all around this room? You are the church. And Jesus is prophesying, he's talking about you, that even death itself will not be able to stand up against the church. Now, why is this scripture verse so important? Because this is the first time church is referred to in the Bible. And I want you to know that Jesus was not referring to a place to go to. He was referring to a movement that would change the world. Let me say that one more time. He was not referring to a place, a building that you go to. He was referring to a movement. Can everybody start making some movement right here? Start moving. He was talking about a movement of people that would go into the world and change the world. And so the Greek word, the title of our sermon series is ecclesia. Look at your neighbor and sound really stoic and scholarly and say ecclesia. Ecclesia. That's the Greek word for church. And really what that means, ecclesia, it's a community. A community, kind of like what we have going on right here, a community of Jesus followers. Of Jesus followers, will you raise your hand and give Jesus a shout out this morning if you're a Jesus follower? It's Jesus followers who are, listen to me, Jesus followers who are called out. That's literally what ecclesia means, a group of people who are called out of the world to live differently, to be salt and be light into their world, and then to live out God's mission for the world. Ecclesia, the church, a community of Jesus followers called out to live out God's mission for the world. You're called out to live out God's mission. You see, listen to me, Jesus did not prophesy about a place. He prophesied about a people. Let me say that one more time. Jesus did not prophesy in the future about, oh, in this church, in this Thrive Church building, oh my goodness, you gotta check it out. It's just gonna be phenomenal. Oh, and that church in Chicago, Willow Creek building, oh my word, it's gonna be, no, 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 he wasn't talking about a building. He was talking about a people. Jesus was saying, I'm going to build a gathering of people around the idea that I, Jesus of Nazareth, that Jesus that we just sang about here, wasn't that an awesome song, a worship? Didn't our worship team do an awesome job this morning? Can we give it up for our worship team? <laughs> Pointing us back to Jesus, that was, that's what worship does. And he said, uh, I'm going to build a gathering of people around the idea that I, Jesus of Nazareth, am the Son of God who has come to save the world. And that's why we have the mission statement that we do here at Thrive Church. If you're new here, I know if you've been a part of Thrive Church, you know the mission statement of the church. But this is for people who are new to our church. This is our mission statement. And this is taken from Matthew 28, the, you know, the, the Great Commission. This is really where we get this big idea. We are called to lead people to become life-giving followers of of Jesus. Do we have any life-giving followers of Jesus who are here this morning? If you're a life-giving follower of Jesus, 
You see, there, there's some people, I talked about this the last week, there are some people who are life takers. Don't be a life taker. There are some Christians who what I would call life keepers. In other words, they keep Jesus to themselves. But no, 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 not at Thrive Church. That doesn't work here at Thrive Church because here at Thrive Church, we are leading people to become life-giving followers of Jesus. And we know that, that, that we're called to be influencers. Whenever you're leading somebody, that means you are influencing the people around you to go into a, a, a deeper place. It's a growth process to become life-giving followers of Jesus. You know what I would say? Here's my definition of a life's follower of Jesus. A life-giving follower of Jesus is somebody who is a disciple of Jesus who multiplies, who multiplies disciples of Jesus, who multiplies disciples of Jesus, who multiplies disciples of Jesus, etc. Did everybody catch that? That's what a life-giving follower of Jesus. Remember I talked about that word last week, enthusiasm? Enthusiasm means that the spirit of God is inside of you. You don't keep it to yourself but you share that spirit. And when you begin to share the love of Jesus, it begins to affect people. You begin to influence people. And as they grow in their relationship with Jesus, then they begin to influence the people around in their lives. Are you excited about the church? I want you to know I love the church. I'm committed to this mission of the church to lead people to become life-giving followers of Jesus. And that's why it's so important. If we're committed to this mission, that's why it's so important that we become what I call growth-minded. That's what I want to talk about today, growth-minded. We are really, in this sermon series, we're really just going to talk about the core values of this church. I, was, I just wanted to talk about the church here a few, few months ago, and I'm like, and, 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 and the church is this, and the church is, I was writing down all these things, and the church is this, and I'm like, okay, now that's like a 12-week series, and I got I to gotta kind of break it down in here, and like, okay, the church is this, and start putting it in all these categories, and I'm like, the church is really the core values of Thrive Church. You see, we, we, if you're new to this church, we are a, a spirit-led church. We are a mission-driven church. We are a people-loving church. We are a servant-hearted church, and we are a growth-minded church. Those are the core values of Thrive Church. I know you know that already. I'm just trying to be repetitive here. But what does it mean? I want to talk about being growth-minded, okay? I'm going to start at the bottom here. What does it mean to be growth-minded? Here would be my definition of somebody who is living out their faith growth-minded. To be growth-minded means to live your life in such a way so as to wholeheartedly pursue all God created you to be and do. Let me say that one more time to live your life in such a way so as to wholeheartedly, everybody say wholeheartedly. That means like with all you got, I'm giving her all she's got. Wholeheartedly pursue all God has created you to be and to do. You see, God has a plan. Listen to me. Some of you, you don't realize this, but God has a plan 
and a purpose for your life. And you know, when you're living out that plan and purpose for your life, you know what happens? You know what begins to rise up within you? This thing called significance. All of a sudden, you just, ah, and you, you wake up in the morning, and you're just a little bit excited, and you're just like, God's got a plan and purpose for my life. I, I am created for a purpose, and, and I would say to be is we are we're called to be like him. You know, in the early years, they started to call these people, these Christ followers, they called them Christians, called them Christians. That, that means that they were like little Jesuses walking around. I like that. A bunch of little Jesuses walking around here. You see, we're called to be like Jesus, and we're called to do like Jesus. And what did Jesus do? Do you know Jesus is still on a mission today to change the world through his salvation but this, what I'm talking about here, if we're going to be and do, if we're going to pursue all that he's called us to be and to do, it takes a growth mindset. I want to ask you this morning, do you have a growth mindset? When you look at your faith, your faith journey, do you have a growth mindset? You see, a growth mindset, it develops from your, your pursuit of a relationship with God. What does that pursuit look like? Are you, are you spending time in this relationship? Are you communicating with God in your relationship with him? Are you learning together with fellow followers? Are you learning together? Are you experiencing moments with God together. Here's what I've learned. The more you pursue the relationship, the more the relationship grows. That is just a relationship fact. That is from Dr. Phil himself. The more, listen to me, the more you pursue, the more you pursue any relationship, the more the relationship grows. The more the relationship. In 2 Peter, the apostle Peter is teaching a group of new believers and he's saying, here's the most important thing. These are just new believers and like, man, how do we grow? Like this whole new faith thing, you know, and, and Jesus, man, where do we go from here? Where, where did we go from here? Have you ever just wondered about that in your faith journey? Where do I go from here? And I think Peter gives us some just exceptional words here. Second Peter 3, 17 and 18. It says, well, first of all, ladies and gentlemen, I want you to be on guard because this new faith journey that you picked up, you're starting to follow Jesus, Satan does not like that. He does not like it. He does not like it. And so he's going to throw obstacles in your way, and he's just going to be a pain in the neck. And so Peter is saying, listen, well, first of all, be on guard for that. It says, then you will not be carried away by the errors of these wicked people and lose your own secure footing. He says, rather... If I had to give you some advice, I would tell you to grow. Everybody say grow. I would tell you to grow. I would tell you to grow in the grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I would tell you, if you're going to do anything, you're, 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 as you take steps in your faith journey, grow in Jesus. Grow spiritually. Grow your spirit. Grow in your relationship with God. What does this look like? Again, Peter says, grow in grace. And what is grace? 
Grace is the character of Jesus, the character of Jesus. And so I think he was trying to say, hey, you people, you, you people who are living by the law, you know what you really need? You need a little bit more grace in your life. Learn to grow in the grace and the character of Jesus. Number two, I would tell you to learn to grow in the knowledge and your understanding of how to live out this life in Jesus. Grow in grace and grow in knowledge. The other day, I was meeting with uh, some firefighters here. I'm a chaplain for the Walsall Fire Department. Been doing this for, for a couple of years and just really enjoying it. And met with this uh, group of firefighters who had been on a very difficult call. And so at the end of our conversations, one of the firefighters, a young man, pulled me aside and said, hey, can I, can I just talk to you here for a moment? He said, hey, I grew up in kind of a Christian home, but it was like a really harsh Christianity. It's one of those harsh Christianities like where everybody's going to hell, period. <laughs> and he said, man, it just really turned me off. I just really didn't want to... Uh, but he just kind of explained to me, as I'm getting older, I'm really beginning to see the need, and he used the word religion in my life. And he says, he asked me, he says, so, I just, what would you encourage me to do? And I, I said, okay, okay, just my, my personal beliefs, okay? Number one, I would stop pursuing religion and start pursuing a relationship. Because religion is going to burn you every time. You're just going to get bogged down with religion. You can never be religious enough. It's not what you're looking for. It's not what God created. Stop pursuing religion. Number two, uh, I would tell you to know God. Figure out this Jesus guy. This Jesus guy. Figure out who you, believe, who you want to put your faith in. And number three, Know how to apply this to your life. Learn how, understand who Jesus is and learn how to live Jesus out in your life. And so, so he's like, hey, thank you, thank you. I said, so, you know, do you have a Bible? Uh, like, can I just run across the street and get you something? Ran across the street and was able to give him this, a new believer's Bible, a New Testament that we give out to each and every person here in the church who's looking to build a relationship with Jesus Christ. And I said, listen, I even put some instructions on how to go through this Bible. And let me encourage you with that. But I would tell him, again, grow in the grace and the knowledge of Jesus. So here's what I know about spiritual growth. Spiritual growth. Every one of us, how do we grow spiritually? Here's what I've learned. The more we grow the more our faith comes alive. If you're here today and say, like, I've been a Christian all my life and I just, I've lost that loving feeling. I just don't feel it anymore. I would ask you, are you pursuing growth? Are you pursuing growth? I would tell you this. This is, through spiritual growth, this is how we discover, discover our God-given potential. It's through our spiritual growth we discover the plans and the purpose that God has for our lives. But if you're not growing, you're not knowing. Number three, it is, and listen to me, this is spiritual growth is every, everybody say every. It's every believer's personal responsibility. I just want to pause and let that sink in for a moment. Your spiritual growth 
is determined by you. You're the one who pursues or ignores. It's up to you. Your spiritual growth is exactly where you want it to be. Here's my last thought. Here's what I believe about spiritual growth. You grow stronger in your faith journey when you grow together. I absolutely wholeheartedly believe this. I have grown in my personal faith journey because of the friends that I've had in my life. We need, God gave us each other, the church, the body of Christ. God gave you the church to help you grow, to help you grow. So I'm convinced of this. Spiritual growth happens best in the context of relationships. And that's what I want to spend the rest of my time on in this message this morning about this, these relationships that I'm talking about. And I want us to refer to the first church. In Acts chapter 2, here's what we've had. Here's the events that we've just had, all right? Acts chapter 2. We have just picked up, after Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the story of Jesus. And what has happened here is Jesus has just been crucified on a cross, and he's been dead for three days, and he rose again. And he appeared to his disciples who were in hiding. And his disciples who were in hiding uh, must have been blown away. How many of you would just like would be blown away if you saw a man who had been dead, who died on a cross, kind of like that. You saw him die. You saw his, him start, stop breathing. You saw a spear put into his side. He's dead. And you see a dead man walking. How many of you that would impact you a little bit, okay? That would capture your attention, and so, and so what happened then is Jesus said, listen, 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 I'm going to, I want you to go and I want you to pray. And I'm going to fill you with my spirit, the Holy Spirit. And so that's what they did. And they went off and over, over some time, all of a sudden they were all together, some 120 people, and they were all praying in this upper room and they were afraid and they were scared. And all of a sudden God came upon them and he baptized them in the Holy Spirit. Okay, And these men, these men and women who were once so afraid, they boldly went out into the city streets, the same city streets that Jesus carried his cross on, the same city streets where it is not popular to be a Christ follower. They went out and they boldly, everybody say boldly, they boldly proclaimed Jesus. They boldly proclaimed that Jesus truly is the Son of God, that Jesus died on a cross, that he rose again, that Jesus is alive today, and you need to repent of your sins, give up your heart, and follow Jesus. That's a bold message in a culture like that. And that was impactful. And for and, and all of us, I believe, I hope that all of you have had that same message given to you. And one day, that message was given to me, and I received it. I accepted Jesus to be my Lord and Savior. And what he did is he took his Holy Spirit, and he placed it inside of me. And all of a sudden, I started to think a little bit different. I started to act a little bit different. I began to feel a little bit different. You know what that's called? That's called life change. I encountered life change that happened into my life. 
And that's what they, they went out and they boldly proclaimed. You know what happened through their bold proclamation? They said that over 3,000 people said, I want to be a Jesus follower. I don't know exactly what this is all about, but whatever you got, I want it. I, I want that. And I realized by me raising my hand, I'm kind of putting my life on the line. I want it. I need that. I need that in my life. 3,000 followers of Jesus. And, and so what I want to talk about here today, when I talk about you need each other to grow spiritually, what I'm going to talk about next, what this early church did is going to prove my point of how we need each other in relationships. Three, I'm going to talk about three relationships that create spiritual growth. Three relationships that you need to have in your life if you're gonna have spiritual growth. Are you ready? Here we go. First relationship that you need, obviously you need to have relationship with God. It starts with relationship with God. Relationship with God starts at that place of surrender. I surrender me. And I get off of the throne of my heart. I get out of this, this steering or, or, or the driver's seat. And Lord, I, pray, I put you in the driver's seat. Jesus, take the wheel. All right? I, I put you. And I, I ask you to be Lord and Savior of my life. And so these new believers, they formed this community. And they decided to do this new faith journey together. Everybody say together. They decided to do this faith journey together. Look at what it says here, Acts chapter 2, 42. It says, all the believers, all of these believers, all together, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing of meals, including the Lord's Supper and to prayer. Here's the secret to success in your spiritual life. They devoted themselves they, whatever word you want to use, they committed themselves. They put focus into their lives. They, they said, no, 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 I'm going to be committed. I'm going to be serious about this. And they did these three things, these three habits that they begin, okay? Habit is something that you do on a regular basis. First of all, they started focused worship. And back in those days, they didn't have a lot of hymnals. They didn't have all the worship songs here. But a lot of times, they would just take the psalms, and they would just get together and they would just begin to make a melody. And they would just begin to sing psalms about how great God is. And whenever we sit and we kind of focus and we do what we just did this morning, I don't know if you noticed that, but you ever notice how worship just begins to take a focus off of yourself and it begins to just put it on God. And whenever that happens, there's something about that that just really feels good. And, and what that does is it's, it's a paradigm shift. It's just a, a focus of worship. They begin to, to each and every day, because I don't know about you, but each and every day I wake up in my flesh. And I just don't like it. And so they decided each and every day we're going to focus on Jesus and worship. We're going to focus on Jesus and his word. They would listen and they would study the teachings of the, of the apostles. This is, this is what it does for us. When we get into God's word, when I handed that book to that firefighter, you know what I was trying to do to him? I was trying to help him to know who to believe in. When you study God's word, it helps you to know. And they ask you, do you know who you believe in? 
The second thing that it does is it helps you to know what you believe. If I was to ask you this morning, what do you believe? What would be your answer? It helps you to know who you believe, what you believe, and it tells you how to live out your life with that belief. Second, the third thing that they did is, the third habit is they spent time in prayer. They spent time talking with God. And I believe that this works. These three habits, I wanna tell you this morning, have changed my life. Years ago, when I was growing up, I'd go into a teen camp. I would go to teen camp each and every year. And it just felt like my faith journey was like this. I was up, going to camp, and I was going down. And I'd come back to church, and I was up, and I was going down. How many of you can relate to this, this lifestyle of your faith journey? And I was tired of it. Even as a teenager, I didn't want to live like this. I wanted to live like this. I just felt like this is how God created me. I don't want any of my relationships like this. I want to be like this. And so they said, hey, if you're here today and you're tired of this life, we want you to show up at this special session. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna show up. And they say, hey, I wanna talk to you about daily habits, daily habits. This is something that you do every day and it's something, that, it's a habit, it's a decision that you make. Whether you feel like it or not, whether you want to or not, sometimes you do, sometimes you don't. But I tell you, these habits will change your life. And so I learned about the importance of focused worship, of starting my day each and every day giving focus to God. I began to learn just quick, just quickly how to, to study God's word. And, and, and I'm telling you, if, if it's not simple, we don't do it. But they showed me a simple method on how to do it. And then they talked to us about spending time in prayer. So that my senior year of high school changed because I left that camp and I went back and I started off my school year and I would drive my car to school. And, and so I decided I, each and every morning I would wake up with some worship music and I'd have some Bible time before I go to school. I'd drive my car and I'd, you know, the cool thing to do back then and still is today is just have that radio blaring just as loud as you can to stereo. I'd turn it off. I said, God, I give this day to you. And you, just that whole senior year was different, different. I was discovering relationship with God. My relationship with God was growing, and it hasn't changed since that. Three relationships that create spiritual growth. What it did for me, here's what I wanted to say about that. My senior year, you know what grew in me? Confidence. Confident. I became confident in my relationship with God. I was no longer insecure in my relationship with God. I was confident in my faith. I was confident in who I was serving, and I was confident of what he was doing and what he could do, and I, was con I became confident in my calling because it was during this time that God reaffirmed my calling into ministry, and I'm here today because I was challenged to live out the daily habits. Three relationships, quickly here, that create spiritual growth. Relationship with God, and number two, relationship with each other. It says that they devoted themselves to fellowship. Fellowship is doing life together. A deep sense of awe came over them, and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders, and all the believers met together. Everybody say together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. They worshiped 
together at the temple each day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper and shared their meals with great joy and generosity, all the, while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. So they, they met. Here was their church structure. This is how they said, hey, listen, let's meet at the temple one day a week, and then let's meet together throughout the week. They met in the temple, and they met in each other's home. And they grew spiritually because they grew together. They grew together. They experienced miracles together. They took care of each other. They did ministry together. They met in each other's homes together. They shared meals together. They worshiped together. They helped each other out. They became the church together. Listen, church, we need each other. We need each other. And I want you to know that is our growth strategy for this church. This is our discipleship strategy for the church. We want to encourage you to grow together. And we do this through what we call life groups. I don't know if any of you have ever been a part of life groups, but this is our discipleship strategy. Um, this is what we do. We, we encourage people to get into, into life groups and grow spiritually. There's going to be uh, groups that, well, each and every group, we encourage you to do this. Number one, that you would study God's word and you would pray and worship together. That there would be a time that you build relationships with each other and you discover how to do life together. Matter of fact, there's a group of guys in, uh, in, in the church who we put together a fantasy football league. Yeah, and we're doing life together. We just take a moment and pray for my team right now. All right, relationships grow together, and then and then and then they did ministry together. They did ministry together. That's what they do in life groups. And then after that, these groups begin to multiply. Here, let me talk about. We, this week, we are starting. This is why I wanted to talk about being growth-minded, because this week, we are launching our fall life group ministries. We have, we have many different life groups that you, are, you, wherever you are in your faith journey, can get involved in. We have study groups. We have, I just met with a study group, Jim and Lori Murphy, just to have a wonderful study group. And you can join with their study group any Sunday morning. Just go up and talk to them and say, how do I, I get involved? Better yet, go to the Connect Center or go online. I, we have a website for you here. But just go online and find out more information. We have a Celebrate Recovery. The other week we talked about uh, a Celebrate Recovery um, a ministry uh, for people who are going through hurts, habits, and hang-ups. And, and that's going to launch tomorrow night. And that could be uh, one of your, your life groups. We have home groups. So we have a, a group that is going to talk about foundations. You know, just people is like, I really don't know what I believe. That's going to be a perfect life group for you, a life group on marriage, a life group where you just get together and you talk about the sermon topics. Uh, we have grow groups. These are, uh, on, on Wednesday night, we call it grow night, if you're new to this church. And we meet here at the church at 6.30, and you come, and there's going to be multiple groups around the church that you can participate in. Uh, there's going to be this group called Alpha that I'm going to be leading. And this is for people who are just new in their faith journey um, and, and just like, I just want to know more. I just want to know more what that looks like. We're going to skip that video, guys, just for, for the sake of time here. And then we even have a men's group. A men's, we have a couple men's group, a group of men who are going to meet on, 
on, on, throughout the week, uh, once a month uh, for breakfast. But here's, here's a way for you to get signed up for these life groups. The bottom line is they did ministry together. So three relationships that create spiritual growth, relationship with God, relationship with each other, and last of all is relationship with your world. You see, the early church did not take what they had and say, ah, let's keep it to ourselves. Wouldn't it be so odd today? How many of you are going to go home and watch the Packers today? Are you going to go home and watch the Packers? Wouldn't it be so odd is like after they did the Star Spangled Banner and they're like, okay, everybody, it's time to go. And the Packers haven't come out of the locker room yet. And they're just like, hey, guys. And somebody goes in and checks on them. And then they come out and they come up to the announcer and like, hey, the Packers, they decided they're just going to stay in the locker room today. And here's the reasoning. They've decided that they really don't want to take the risk of anybody getting injured and they really don't want to take the risk of, of, of them losing. So they're just going to stay in the locker room together, okay? So that's, that's their strategy for, 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 their, for going to the Super Bowl this year. How many of you think that would be really weird? How many of you would say that makes no sense whatsoever? That would be like, how many of you would, would say that is wasted potential, they had the potential to go all the way, and why would they waste all that they have? Because their unwillingness to take a risk. And that's sometimes what happens with the church. We're like, oh, wait a second, I discovered this great pearl, this great thing I discovered is Jesus, and so I don't want to take the risk of going out into the world and getting injured or getting made fun of or, or it going away from me, so I'm just going to keep it all to myself. Wasted potential. Here's what happened with the early church. I love this. This is in Acts 2, 47. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. You know what that tells me? That means that these people who were growing in their spiritual journey, you know what, you know what they were not doing? They were not keeping it to themselves. No, 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 no. They, they, this thing, Jesus has changed them, and they discovered there's a mission. I'm called for a mission. And they started talking. Yeah, that, they started talking, and they started sharing, and they started loving. They started to live out what they believed, and it changed the world. So, so let's just imagine this whole Christianity thing started off with with what, 3,000 people. That was the launch, the launch here. And currently, currently, I believe that number is 2.4 billion people in the world today. 2.4 billion people in the world today, all because these 12 men couldn't keep it to themselves. Isn't that awesome? How many of you are part of that 2.4 billion life change? Life change. In the book of Hebrews, we see an example of wasted potential. The writer of Hebrews is, I don't know who he's talking to, but he's none too pleased with them. He's looking at somebody who just has so much potential and it's being wasted. 
He says, there's so much more we would like to say about this, but it is difficult to explain, especially since you are spiritually dull and you don't seem to listen. You have been believers so long now that you ought to be teaching others. Instead, you need someone to teach you again the basic things about God's word. You are like babies who need milk and cannot eat solid food. He's just, he's just calling it as he sees it. He's calling out immaturity. You know, immaturity is when you do not do what you know you need to do, what you're supposed to do, what you're created to do, wasted potential. Maturity is when you begin to do what you know is true. That's, that's maturity. He's saying you have so much potential that's been given to you, so much significance. He says, for someone who lives on milk is still an infant and doesn't know how to do what is right. If you're here today and you're not experienced the fulfillment of your faith, are you growing? Are, are you like these, this, this early church? You know, what this, you know what this story reminds me of? It reminds me of the couple that has been married for 10 years. And the wife finally asked the husband, how come you never tell me that you love me? Have you heard this before? Why did you never tell me that you love me? And after 10 years, the, the husband looks at his wife. He says, I told you that I love you when I married you. If anything changes, I'll let you know. husband tells me he's lazy he's selfish and he's immature and he's missing out on one of the greatest experiences of his life because of his refusal to grow church let me challenge you to grow to, to, to discover the significance and the plan and purpose that God has for your life. To live out this, this life, this potential that God has given you. Let me challenge you. It happens through your personal growth. So to be growth-minded, that's what we're going to commit to do. To be growth-minded means I'm going to live my life in such a way as to wholeheartedly pursue all God created me to be and to do. If you're here this morning and say, Pastor, I, I want to be growth-minded. I'm going to be a growth-minded follower of Christ. I'm going to wholeheartedly pursue all that God has called me to be and to do. Will you stand with me this morning? If that's you, I'm going to be growth-minded follower of Jesus. Raise your, just go ahead and stand up right now. In Jesus' name, can I pray over you right now, Lord? We have Christ followers all around in this room who are saying, Lord, I want to be what you've called me to be. Lord, I want to do what you've called me to do. God, I'm not going to just no longer put this relationship on a shelf. I'm not going to live out this relationship from Sunday to Sunday or even once a month. Lord, I'm going to live it out daily. I'm going to pursue you in worship. I'm going to pursue you in word, and I'm going to pursue you in prayer. In Jesus' name, Lord, I just pray that you would just open eyes, ears, and hearts like never before. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. If you're here this morning, and the first step that you need to take is to accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior. You've never invited him into your life. You can do that right here, 
right now. Just, just pray with me. Say, God, I need you. I want to know you. I want to follow you. I accept what you did for me on the cross, and I ask you to forgive me of my sins. I know you're alive today, and so I'm choosing today to give my heart to you and to follow you. In Jesus' name I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. You know what just happened there? I don't know who, the, who prayed that prayer, but the word of God says life change just took place in your life. Can we just give God praise for life change?